Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the initial Dayton to Detroit. I'm here with Detroit Doc, Doc from Detroit, and you're here listening to Day Day from Dayton. Um, we're friends. We go way back, and we decided, hey, let's have a uh, let's have a regular conversation because, like uh, as you were saying before we started, the world has uh, shifted mightily since uh, I think it's almost been ten years since we reconnected here recently. I visited you up in Detroit. We uh, we ate a lot of Polish food and uh, sauerkraut and mashed potatoes on a hot summer day. I didn't understand that, but uh, <laughs> it is what it is. But Doc Detroit, welcome. And uh, tell me what Glad you got going here. on. Uh, when uh, you and I started discussing doing this, I had floated a couple ideas to you that you responded very positively to. And those ideas were um, to try to focus on uh, reasons to be positive and optimistic, you know, in a crazy world where there's a lot of ugliness and uh, cruelty. Um, but there is a truth and beauty and goodness uh, still left in this world. And there are reasons to be positive. Yeah, because you know, we're, I think yep. that is a, a great way to start out because one, I heard some guy say something last week. I don't know who it was. You know, there's a million of us speaking at once all the time nowadays. But he said, we're li we live through constant loops. You know, that the, the earth, the human culture, society lives on constant loops. We go through great times, we go through bad times. And as long as we're still here, which uh, we still are right now, uh, I see human beauty coming to the fore uh, in the midst of ugliness. And it tells me it's still there. We still have ugliness. We'll still we'll always have ugliness. It's all it's a part of all of us. Probably we got a little bit of ugly inside. Um, but I think at the end of the day, like the world, like I've seen so much wonderful, magical, beautiful stuff in the world. And yes, there is a lot of ugliness, but uh, that ugliness, because it's so shocking, and so because it's so over the top, I think it. Um, it clouds out, you know, um, to a, well, what's the word I'm looking for? An, a, uh, an indiscriminate, or not indiscriminate, but uh, an unequal effect. It clouds out the good, right? Because just think about the conversation. Like how many like conversations with uh, like someone you would consider a mega asshole do you actually have? Too many. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, there's too many, but then well, you think many. you Life's think about like all the just like regular like like interactions you have with humans that are like oh you know you know straight up person you know that that are like of no good no maybe not uh, bad but just like a person being a person that's probably the vast majority of interactions I have you know um, there's. Um... So the bad clouds over, you know, clouds the good, but it's not necessarily true. I saw uh, the movie Amsterdam last night. And after you and I had just talked about doing this today and talking about, you know, having reasons to be optimistic and being positive in the face of a ugly and cruel uh, human race, 
this movie Amsterdam had that as one of its central uh, ideas that um, love and beauty and uh, you know friendship and to live free and to value your friends and your loved ones you know these were the things that were important and uh, these and, and through those things you know love can triumph over hate and that you know so much of what we see today that's cruel and ugly is driven by fear and uh, hate and uh, this movie really has to do mostly with uh, General Smedley Butler who wrote War is a Racket and who was approached by like the richest people in America to overthrow the government and become a dictator who would then be fronting for them and um, that's the central plot of this movie and how these three friends uh, in the movie starts um, you know basically in a in a ward uh, full of disfigured World War one veterans whose faces have been smashed and the protagonist is is rebuilding these guys faces and uh, you know has lost an eye himself has a glass eye and so in coming out of the horror and ugliness of you know industrial uh, destruction of, of people in World War one uh, here he makes this bond um, with these two other people and they make this pact and uh, and the movie starts off and then they get drawn into this whole uh, murder mystery uh, that's eventually tied to um, General Smedley Butler his, his character is is played by Robert De Niro and, uh, it's it's an all-star cast and it's an amazing movie and it's so 1000% relevant for today because this is all about stopping the Nazis from taking over America. And a lot of people, I would say, I would venture to say the vast majority of people don't know who General Smedley Butler was, are completely unaware that what we're going through now is somewhat of getting back to what I said earlier, a loop. We're they back on this loop two or three again. times in the movie, they say there are loops. I'm not sure they use that word, but that's exactly what they're talking about. And when you mentioned loops a minute ago, it's like, oh, wow, this is you know a real resonance <laughs> um, between what you and I wanted to talk about and intended to talk about and what was in this movie. So it seems like it's you know a meme that's in the air. Yeah. So. Um, so for people who aren't familiar with General Smedley Butler, General Smedley Butler, from what um, I understand, is the most decorated Marine veteran. I think he had three medals of honor. Yeah. Or, he, or at least he was at one time. I'm not sure. He had at least up two with medals the, of honor, maybe three. And he yeah. made, yeah, if he's not the only man to ever receive that many medals of honor, you know, he's one of the very, very few. Yeah, and so General Smedley Butler, I, I believe, started at a very young age as a Marine, um, was involved in the Banana Wars of Central America, um, which kind of turned him into a peacenik of sorts. Um, 
here's this man who's marched all over the globe for um, U.S. capital interests and finally realized that, hey, I'm being a tool. Um, <laughs> that was exactly <laughs> it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm being a tool for these uh, these mega inter- mega interests. Um, I know you've, you've served in the U.S. Army. So have I and uh, many soldiers who have served come to a point where they realize, hey, I'm a tool for uh, mega global capitalism and violent than the violence that enforces it. And General Smedley Butler came upon that same realization as many of us has as well. And he was offered a chance to, I guess, lead what would be the version of January 6th of his era, which was a, a fascist coup of the government. Um, I yeah. think they were, they had a lot, uh, probably more professional plans back then they were planning to use 500,000 veterans um, yep. instead of uh you know 10,000 Carhartt jacket wearing landscape company owners like we saw <laughs> on January 6 you know um there was, was a, it was a lot there was a lot more gangster back then um and Smedley Butler said no way Jose and uh, turned him in and made the whole thing public. You can look all this up on YouTube. It's all there. His uh, his testimony to Congress about everything that happened. You can watch the Nazi rally at Madison Square Garden that was tied in with the group. It was all tied. You can look up the history of uh, you know American industrialists uh, tied in with the Nazi Party and supplying the Nazis and. So this is, we're in a loop, buddy. <laughs> this movie captures it really well. At the After the movie ends, we waited in the theater to see if there was some kind of Easter egg. Sure there was. It was Robert De Niro on one half of the screen as the Smedley Butler character reading simultaneously with, on the right side of the screen, the newsreel of Smedley Butler testifying in front of Congress that you were just talking about and blowing the whistle on this attempted fascist coup. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is nothing new, this fascist coup. And they talked about how it's, you know, history keeps looping. Um, He talked about how, well, you know, in 33, they thwarted this attempted takeover, but you know, these, uh, the super rich will be back and um you're watching this movie and you're just saying well this movie is completely about what's going on today although it's really entertaining and a lot of it's very funny and there's some the the other thing great about it was how they were talking about you know explicitly love triumphs over hate and you can't uh robert anthony wilson said it you got to keep your heart chakra open you can't lose your ability to love you. You can't uh, go back to Star Wars, right? The the bad guys want you to hate because <laughs> because it play that's their game. But it's it's uh, when you uh, like any reasonable person um, can tell you like the sales pitch for hate just really isn't like you know it just isn't it doesn't get it over the hill. Sales pitch <laughs> for love though is. Uh, much more attractive and actually when you experience love it's a hell of a lot better feeling than hate which is born of fear 
and loneliness. Um, yeah. I think I like I think what we've seen in the past couple of years in the United States, we've seen people who said, "Oh, we've got fearful, isolated people. Let's stick our fangs in them." And uh, yeah, that's exactly what's um, what's happened. Yeah. The Romans said, "Divide and conquer." Well, you divide by making people fearful. You divide by looking for existing fractures and then widening them. You divide by playing on those fears to stoke hate. And uh, it's a loop. It's a playbook. It's as old as, <laughs> it was a lot older than the Romans, I suspect. And uh, it, it was operating there in the 30s. Um, here and in Europe, it was operating here today now. Yeah, but I think um, getting back to the theme of optimism. Thank I'm you. Kinda, I'm kind of optimistic that the, the, the American people have reacted to the last four or five years in the fashion that they have. That's not to discount some of the a lot of the madness, but it's still like I don't see constant madness when I go to the store or, you know, it's it's a a lot of people want us to believe that that everything's just crazy. Whenever you go out somewhere, it's just people running around, even in a society that probably has more bad shit happen all the time on a regular basis. It's still on the macro, like a very, very rare thing that I see something very terrible. It's mostly really rare that I run into just someone who's a complete asshole, uh, dickhead. And when it is, it's usually someone, uh, it has to do with money. It's usually, <laughs> it's usually some business person trying to like pull one over on me. You know, I'd ever have, you know, it's not just like regular schmoes out there. Someone trying to screw me over and be an asshole. It usually has to do with some company. <laughs> Almost always. You know, it has, you, to do, um, it has to do you capital. Said, you said um, uh, something there that made me think, uh, you know, there is a rising tide of shit. However, things had to get worse before they could get better. And over the last five years or uh, in, in the last period, um, People have gotten woke because a lot of the bad stuff has got exposed. Thing, a lot of people are more aware that they need to be involved because things did get so bad. Um, yeah, it's, uh, the the people that have fallen victim to the fear mongering, who I talk to, they they seem to think that things are just terrible all over and there's violence everywhere and business can't uh, can't operate uh, and I'm like what are you talking about that's nonsense I, I don't know where mm -hmm. you're getting that but I can tell you that's not what's happening yeah uh, there's like you said plenty of scam artists out there but um, what's new <laughs> yeah, what's new? right exactly that comes <laughs> with the structure <laughs> My buddy is a uh, ethics professor at Wayne State University, and he makes a couple of really great observations. He says, first of all, humans are hunter-gatherers. He says, that means we steal shit. 
The other thing he says is, uh, we're generally a, a pretty mean little bunch of critters. And he says, try not to be in an out group. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But um... I think it is, though, uh, part of the reason to be optimistic is that uh, things uh, did slide and get bad, and it's provoking a reaction from a lot of people who were otherwise uh, kind of just living their own lives and unaware of what was going on. Sure. But, you know, I'm uh, this may be controversial, but um, I'm so stoked on young people. Like the young people of this country give me so much hope. You know, this is a country that's built on hope, optimism, and the belief that we could do great things like build rockets and go to the moon and create a, uh, you know, a multi-ethnic, multi-racial, multi-religiosity society unlike anything on earth. And the young people of America have like given me hope that's like, that's gonna happen someday. Or like they're not, they're not giving up that dream. we are much more multicultural than we were 20 years ago, than we were 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. Young people have embraced and accepted it. They're not fearful of it. They're not threatened by it. And um, so, yeah. So it, it kind of makes me think like, Spot on. you know, a lot of the stuff that we were doing back in the 80s and 90s, now you're seeing the, the, uh, the, like, the cultural fruition of that, you know. Um, we were all, a lot of us were like outcasts and like weirdos and uh, miscreants of some sort. It was um, great to be yeah. a freak in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Like, you sure didn't want to be uh, the alternative. Yeah, I don't know if it was that great in the 80s. Like once Reaganism came, although like the whole punk rock movement was kind of spawned by that. Re- it was like a, a reaction of sorts to that um, reawakening of right wingism. Um, in the culture, the right wing in the eighties. Uh, yeah, that was truly a, a a dirty, nasty time. I've been listening to these interviews on WDET, the public radio station in Detroit, uh, this week. Like I'll be out at lunch in my truck, and I'll be hearing them talk about the birth of punk in Detroit and how you know they like people that were living outside of Detroit had to hide and dress once they got down to the club in Detroit because outside the city, they'd get beat up. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's been some really interesting stories uh, that have been being told about. And yeah, that I think what you're talking about, uh, the punk movement being uh, in opposition to Reagan and the Reagan Hitler youth. Uh, yeah, it was, all, it was opposition to cultural conservatism. You know, thank you. Um, I was right. raised in a you know, conservative um, religious family, and punk rock was like it was like a savior when I was a teenager. It was like, oh my God, there's something else out here that's not like this dour judgmentalism. Um, and conform in like just rigid conformity that would like that's designed to drive any man or woman mad um, with self-loathing by the time you've like truly internalized it. Um, and yeah, punk rock was just like just discovering punk rock bands when I was like, you know, 
16 years old was just like, oh my God, I'm, I'm, I'm traveling into another cultural portal where like people aren't judging me. They're like celebrating their not the non-judgment of me. Yeah. That, that, do whatever the fuck you want, dude. Thing, right? Let people be who they want to be. Yeah. As long as that who you want to be doesn't stop me from being me. Or, you know, that old uh, maxim <laughs> is you know, your freedom only goes as far as like where your fist meets my nose. You um, want, you, everybody should be free to be who they want to be, except for if you're a Nazi who wants to make everyone conform, then no, you don't get to be that. <laughs> yeah. Be a Nazi in your own basement. <laughs> word, word, word. Lose power here. There we go. So, so what's new in Detroit? Anything? Uh, Dayton has been kind of quiet the, for the last. Uh, I don't know. We had the giant tornado a couple of years ago, and uh, we've been slowly recovering from that. I think it was like seventeen tornadoes in one the city night. City of Detroit in the last 20 years has become something completely different from what it was. Uh, so much uh, money and construction and young people. Uh, in the 80s, uh, you could go to Detroit and you know, it was pretty empty. And you go now and there's uh, 20 something white kids out at 11.30 at night on the sidewalks and uh, you, you just would not have seen that before. My girlfriend's niece uh, moved to downtown Detroit uh, 10 years ago, and her mother and her aunts all thought that she was gonna be murdered, and she trains for, uh, not marathons, uh, triathlons, and she's out there running, uh, you know, a young 20-something white girl, um, out running, training, uh, without any fear and, you know, not getting mugged and killed and just one of, um, tens of thousands. So Detroit has been transformed. There's all kinds of Renaissance. It's the true Renaissance finally came to Detroit and, you know, it had to come after, um, things had to get so bad, uh, that the place really kind of emptied out and was kind of a vacuum. We're seeing the uh, kind of the same thing in Dayton. Like it, uh, you know, the population at one time was over 300,000, I believe. Um, it hollowed out to around 140. And now we're starting to see uh, a slow but um, steady increase in city population. I'm amazed at all the cool buildings that were in downtown Dayton that you showed me that were um, empty, but like pristine. They had seemingly been mothballed, unlike the buildings in Detroit that had been uh, broken into and stripped of all their copper plumbing and wiring, which made them um, the only candidates to be torn down. They couldn't be rehabbed for the most part. But Dayton looked like it was just, you know, waiting, waiting for the return. Mm -hmm. So we're starting to see some of that now. Um, I think there's a realization that like the the fear factor of urbanity is greatly exaggerated um, and has been for a long time for a lot of different reasons to benefit uh, maybe some not so uh, 
honest actors out there in our society trying to uh, make money off of, you know, make money off their ill-gotten gains. But this same racist, fear-mongering Nazi bigots that were there before saying, build a wall around Detroit at Eight Mile Road and throw as many guns and drugs as you can in over the wall and just let them all kill each other. You know, we're coupled with, uh, seemingly there was a plan basically to arrest and incarcerate any black man, you know, from say 17 to 30. Um, but things are changing. Um, the demographics are changing. Um, you know, the redlining no longer exists uh, to the degree it did at, at all. And, and now um, the suburban Detroit is much more integrated and multicultural. You know, they wanted to do the school busing back in the day, and that pretty much devastated Detroit. But, you know, now uh, black kids go to high schools in the most affluent suburbs and um, nobody bats an eye. Yeah, and why should anyone have ever? And so, right, it puts the lie to all of those arguments from back in the day. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, and one of the things, um, oh, you were, well, I'll, I'll get back to it. Like, we've got about six minutes left on this. But, um, yeah, so I, I think uh, despite the ugliness of, the last five years, six years, um, we are looping into a better time. Um, it's a, uh, it's a, there's a sense of what the, it's, we're in, a, there's an unstableness to the world. Definitely, we're on shaky grounds. And I think what, what really like threw people for a loop was the natural order of the world, that the world's constantly changing. But in American society, I think for, for a long time, um, that possibility of just reality was suspended, and that you know we we live in this non this never changing consumerism um, that just keeps going and going and going, and boom, some shit went down that kind of put a uh, you know. And I, uh, squeeze on that, <laughs> squeeze on the normality of way of life. And, COVID, uh, you mean? COVID, yeah, and like the, the and the stuff that came with COVID and the, the things you know, the the uncertainty, you know, um, that came with COVID. Um, to me, it shows like who's a leader and who's not, you know, because in so uncertain times, uh, leaders will rise to the top and. Um, those who aren't will flip out and lose their shit. You said that uh, you feel that by and large, the American people have reacted in the last five years, you know, in, in the way that you would hope. And I agree. And it's a reason to be positive. We've got uh, millions of crazies out here who are, uh, you know, would like to overthrow what we have and, uh, impose a Nazi dictatorship and who hate and fear this multicultural society that we were always going to become. And, uh, you know, COVID was a wrinkle that nobody expected, but, um, 
there's every reason to be optimistic that uh, these forces, ultimately, they've come out of the woodwork so they can be seen and squashed. And, uh, you know, they can't stand light and they can't stand love because they're all about hate and they're all about hiding in, in their darkness. Yeah, and they just don't, uh, they don't have a, uh, they don't have crossover appeal. As they would say in the marketing world, hate and the fascism doesn't have, doesn't have crossover appeal. Yeah, and, and you gotta have crossover appeal in order to, uh, you know, really put yourself over the hump in this world. want to succeed in marketing your idea. There was my buddy. Oh, he's a cutie pie. Catcher. I got two superior. I got a little pit bull. That's uh, she she came to a starving one one day a couple of years ago. Nice. Yeah, and so well. Anyway, okay. we are coming down to the end of this initial Dayton to Detroit or Detroit to Dayton with Day Day and Doc. So I think it's gone pretty well. What do you think? I'm so glad that we did it, and I can't wait to yeah. do it some more. We'll make we'll, we'll make more, and um, so until then, folks, keep coming back. This is the first one, um, but keep coming back, and we'll see what we'll do with it. You know, this is really just an exercise in uh, self therapy more than anything else. <laughs> well, if anybody sees this, I hope it sparks some ideas. Yes. Well, they won't see it; they're going to hear it because right. uh, we will remain the uh, mystery enigmas that uh, <laughs> we always were laughing last. <laughs> hey, well, it's great to uh, super to talk to you. All right, um, Dayton. Our, uh, our time is running out. Doc from Detroit, this is Day Day in Dayton, and we'll see you guys next week um, or the next time. Take care.